Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real, Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep-free trial and a 10-year warranty, so you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code IDO for an exclusive 35% off. Because every mom deserves a good night's sleep, and with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash I do. Welcome to the show. Thank you for joining us, tuning in. We hope you're having a wonderful day wherever you are 
hearing our voices in your ears from. It's always a bizarre <laughs> thing to think about for me that like at this point, millions of people are hearing you are hearing have heard us yes and it's awesome and we appreciate all of our listeners so much and we're just along for the ride with you guys getting this relationship information and advice and applying it to our marriage and uh you know the struggles that the struggles are real they are real. <laughs> they, our our relationship is not perfect. We argue about silly things, and then I'm like, "What are we doing? What are we arguing about? Why <laughs> do I feel like so stressed out?" And it's really not a big deal, but it's hard. And being a human can be hard. Yeah. And in a relationship with another human, makes it tricky. You know what I was thinking? I was wondering if the, if you guys, the listeners, if you guys can tell when we've been fighting recently, like, cause I feel like recently, you know, we got back from, from Florida and it, we've been arguing more than normal. And it just so happens to be the week that we're recording episodes. So I'm just wondering if it's like, if we're transparent when it comes, when it comes to that, if, if yeah. uh, so you guys can tell <laughs> Sarah and Stella were gone for two weeks. And then when they came back, I in particular, it was just really hard. Stella was sick and I'd had two weeks of just like doing what I want when I wanted no one telling me what to do. No three year old whining. And, and when they came back, it was like, the best way to describe it would be like a culture shock it was like, <laughs> Oh man. And Sarah and I were butting heads. I think the fact that Stella was really sick had a lot to do with it. We weren't sleeping. And, and it's important to remember that if you're arguing or having a rough patch in your relationship, a lot of times, like think about the other stuff. Definitely. There might be underlying issues in the relationship for sure. But like, are you getting enough sleep? Are you hungry? Are you taking care of your body? Are you exercising? Are you eating well? I mean, those are all things to consider. And certainly having a toddler will put that stress. So anyways, it, it's been, um, we're here. They've been back now for, for about two weeks. And I think we're just now, we're still trying to like get back into a good rhythm. We moved places. So we're just sharing this because uh, one our relationship is not perfect, and I don't think there are any that exist. If someone claims that, good on them, but it takes work. And, it does. And at one point in that, quote, perfect relationship, it may not have been that way. And uh, anyways, we are happy to have you guys along for the ride. And today's topic is one that has been requested by a few listeners in is a bit of a serious one. I guess they're all kind of serious, but that is uh, dealing with the death of a partner. Um, and this can apply to certainly, obviously, if if you've experienced that directly in your life. But even if you have not, unfortunately, it is a reality of our lives that at one point, our partner is going to pass away 
um, or you're going to pass away and your partner is still going to be living. And so this is an episode that applies to everyone. And there's a lot of gems where you can think about the conversation you can have with your partner now, if, if you guys are both together, uh, a, upon the event of either one of your deaths and uh and that can be a very positive uplifting conversation an important one to have and really to build on what chase is saying the reason we brought sarah on is because uh, she does have a lot of knowledge in bereavement counseling but also because you guys were requesting to get advice for dating after the death of a spouse because it can be so different than dating when you've decided to have a divorce. Um, it's it's really com- a completely different spectrum. Um, so Sarah was brought on to talk about that because she does have so much experience with grief counseling, couples counseling um, in general. And uh, yeah, she was just a perfect fit for this topic. Why don't you tell the listeners about a little bit about her? Sarah. Well, she is an Aussie. She's got that lovely accent. And she has, in addition to being a couples and marriage therapist, she is also a, what we call here in the States, an officiant. So she brings people together. She's also been a grief and bereavement counselor for many, many years. So she has a lot of experience. Yeah. So a lot of great stuff. And, and again, it, it's a, a bit of a downer, obviously thinking, talking about this kind of stuff, but in the end, it can give you an appreciation for the life that you have if you're currently with your partner, and uh, it can be really positive. And if you have experienced the death of a partner, we are, you know, we can't imagine, and and, it, and it's got to be incredibly hard. And Sarah has some great advice for how to move forward and and deal with that. Uh, independently. And then as you move forward and look to love again, uh, how to navigate that. So um, we are there for you. Mm -hmm. Sarah is there for you. Yep. Our hearts are with you. And uh, hope you enjoy and find some value in today's show. Thanks so much for joining us on the show today. My absolute pleasure. Thank you. Sarah, we've given our listeners a little information about yourself. We like to start the show with having you tell us and our listeners why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Oh, well, I'm sure as many of your guests would have um, articulated before, I, I also believe that our relationships are are the most important aspect of our lives and they really um, contribute hugely to our wellness and the um, degree of, ex- of um, experience that we can have in life and the legacy that we leave. Um, my personal journey in my relationships and as you would have heard with my bio, I do a, a range of different things from being a marriage celebrant to being a uh, love and relationship coach and a marriage therapist. And I also work at End of Life. Um, uh, the, uh, the degree of um, relationship skill that um, I, I see in those areas of people's 
important life milestones varies extraordinarily and I see also that um, where we have poor relationship skill and relationship experience, those, those big milestones of our life like relationship love, family, children and our wellness really suffer and um, and I, I, I don't want people to suffer in their relationships. I think it's where we can um, really thrive and gift back to the world something um, beautiful. If we can get our relationships right, then we might just get this world right. We love it and we agree. It is such an important part of what it means to be human. And uh, I think it's not paid attention to nearly enough. And that's why we love interviewing people like yourselves, get the tools that Sarah and I can use and share them with our listeners. And today's topic is going to be one that really hits home with a lot of people and whether or not you've experienced it, like we mentioned in the pre-show, it's inevitable. And that is the death of our partner or it's going to be ourself and our partner is going to have to deal with that. So why don't we jump right in and talk about how we can navigate this uh, fact of life. Well, um, a- any end of a relationship is kind of like a death, isn't it? We grieve. We grieve um, at the end of something. That's what grief is about. It's, it's about knowing that something that you've had, you won't have again. And so any end of a relationship, whether it's a breakup, whether it's a divorce, or it, it can be ended um, without choice by death. We, we face grief in some way and we work through grief. And um, when, um, when it is the circumstances of a, of a death causing the end of a relationship, um, what I do find is it's an incredibly complex and amplified sense of um, relationship ending and grieving and um, personal repair that needs to take place before you can um, move into another relationship. And it's, and it's very individual, isn't it? It depends on so many things. It depends on the, the nature of the death, the nature of the late relationship that has been ended by that death. Was it a good one? Was it a, you know, not so great one anyhow? Um, the age of the person who has been um, left behind, you know, in the phase of life they're in. Are they young without children? Are they young with children? Have they got adult age children or no children? It's um, it, it then creates a very complex um, uh, situation to, to, to work through beyond what is the, the natural, I suppose, pathways of um, uh, acceptance you know, ending of a relationship, completing that and reorganizing yourself individually to, to be ready again. It's a, it's, a, it's a very, very amplified, highly charged and accentuated journey. What would you say the biggest difference um, is from dating after a regular divorce versus dating again after the death of a spouse? 
Well, I think the um, most significant difference there is that um, only one aspect of the relationship has ended with a death, and that's simply the physical relationship, the physical presence of someone. And so when you end a relationship with a divorce or a breakup, there's a real clear um, uh, rupture of that sort of field of relationship and a reorganizing of each of the parties into their individuated forms and they go off and they make new agreements and relationships with other people and they make an agreement with each other that this one has ended. Whereas with a death, um, there's been no agreement there. There's been no agreement to end that relationship. And in many ways, the um, very legitimate pathway of coping and um, and adapting into grief is um, what I often talk to my clients about is, is entering into new relationship with your, your um, loved one who has died. And... Um, that's healthy in, 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 in a grieving um, methodology, but when it comes to maybe when you're ready to repartner and date, um, that makes things very tricky because you're still in a relationship with them. Um, you know, the word widower um, defines someone as being in a relationship with a dead person, doesn't it? it you're still in, it's still your husband. He's just died. Right, right. or It's not like your ex-husband. And so what we have there that complicates this is that there's still a sense of relationship. There's a, there's a sense of relationship going on. And particularly if you, um, um, so that the, the fact that they're not physically present, um, you might still be living in the house that you shared together. You might still be raising kids that you've had together. Um, their presence might be all through that house with their things still and pictures of your life and photos and um, they still could have a very strong presence. And so when it comes to um, dating again or, or really consciously deciding that you're ready to, to re-partner, in many ways you'll almost go through the true death of that relationship. You go through a death again and it's of the relationship. The relationship needs to be re-articulated um, and defined in a in a, a different way again, and this one's by a conscious choosing, and that's a great wrench for many people. Yeah, it seems like there is a lot that goes into dating after dating after the death of a spouse, not only from the person who has lost the partner and, and dealing with all those emotions, but then also the new partner that's coming into the picture of the new family and the kids and, and the wife who has, has lost somebody. And so in regards to that dynamic, how would you recommend somebody who is joining a family? Um, how would they, I guess, go through the process of of joining that family smoothly without stepping on anyone's toes or, or making it not as uh, complicated, I guess you could say? Yeah, look, I, I think there'll always be a, um, a crunchy moment where you do step on toes. It's the way you, you, you're feeling into what the boundaries are and how you... Um, how you navigate that world. I, I think um, the best approach is to be really frank and um, and honest about what each of you or each of the members of family are feeling at each stage as things change and adapt into 
um, new new um, models of family and partnerships, um, and and being ready to just talk about things when you know something just doesn't feel right, or you're just getting a sense or a vibe of oh, hang on a second, it's just you know we're getting a bit weirded out here. This this is is not flowing right. So being able to 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 bring things up and talk about them, which takes a, a high skill of um, of conscious communication and um, and speaking about your, your feelings and what you need and what's going on. Um, one of my very dear friends, um, she lost her her real beloved soulmate in her mid to late twenties, and then um, repartnered later and, and began a family with another man so she didn't have a family at that time and I know her partner very well as well and and he says I, I just I don't even try to compete with a dead man you know it just you just you can't look at it as a as a competition or a a, a comparison it's about um, really creating a new something um, for the two of you as well, so it, is, it brings a lot of skills into the relationship where um, you're consciously creating it. How would we like to be in this relationship together? How how, how do we want to articulate it? How 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 do we integrate the fact that um, there has been a, a previous marriage or a previous partner that still I love and and you know will kind of be there in this marriage with us sometimes, you know. So it's about talking about that. And um, I think the invitation in creating a new relationship where one of the parties has experienced a, a, a death as the ending of their previous relationship is to, is to bring a sense of wonder and discovery and curiosity for yourself and for each other about how you can evolve into uh, uh, into you with this person? What are they going to bring to to your life and to who you are when you when you interact with them? That that is that is new and delightful and um, and evolves and grows you. So, how can a partner keep the the memory of of their deceased partner alive in, in a healthy way because I can imagine that's like a big part of the balance, right? Is like not just totally forgetting your partner and just trying to like block off that memory of them, but then also not mm. not being so grieved by by the loss or reliving the relationship. How how can someone navigate that? Yeah, that's a really good question. And again, um, every um, coupling will determine sort of um, the, the the right, <clears throat> I suppose, balance and um, degree of um, penetration that 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 deceased person kind of occupies in the the family and in the relationship because they they kind of will sort of in many ways always be there, like you know, love. Love um, re- remains, even when someone passes, the love remains. And if you have children as well, um, you know, there's a, there's, there's going to be um, a very clear sense of that, um, 
parents, that deceased parents still being active in communication and um, present at big milestone moments and um, would be talked about. And I, I suppose it brings a, a, a greater level of maturity to be able to um, to integrate that. So still speaking about them, having their photos in the house, um, depends on how, how many. Maybe you probably don't have that picture of that person beside your bedside anymore if you're occupying a bed with another person. Um, but it is a very... Um, uh, I suppose, explicit negotiation or articulation that eventually takes pay- place. And it's one that, again, with that other uh, answer I gave, you, you sometimes don't know it's a problem until it's a problem. You know, you just really don't know what you're going to encounter as the as the unfoldment of um, uh, toggling between continuing to process grief and 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 the rearticulation of a relationship with someone deceased, and creating a a relationship with someone new, you're going to kind of maybe not know what you don't know until you arrive at. And sometimes when you arrive at it, it's at a bit of a crunchy, awkward moment that maybe can often catch you by surprise. So it's again, um, uh, I find that when I um, am working with couples who have this as part of their um, couple story and narrative, they develop a very um, strong communication style together, speaking about their needs and wants, and they become very um, um, fluent negotiators and and looking at each other's um, needs and being very sensitive to them. So you're always going to be in relationship with your deceased beloved, prior, previous beloved, but it's um, it uh, takes a lot of lot of skill and the passage of time as well uh, dictates changes. You're, there's a there's a slow, constant evolution, kind of like the movement of a glacier. You know that level of just real gentle rolling on in life and, and each each year and each sort of bit of extra distance between the, the, the death and the new relationship, it starts to tilt the balance differently as time goes on and, um, and so it's a matter of adaptation and adjusting as things, um, things take on a, a different sort of environment. I can imagine that the at the time when the conversation arises where I'll use a, a mom in this situation and she's lost her husband, the wife has lost her husband and they have children and the time comes where she is ready to start dating. But now she has to explain to her children or, or let them know that she's going to start dating. I imagine that that conversation can be very hard to have with children. Do you have any advice for um, any parents in that situation of how to go about uh, initiating having those conversations with your children. But first, we want to tell you about today's sponsors. Today's episode is brought to you by Modern Fertility. When and if to start a family is a very personal decision. Some women want kids now, others want kids in 10 years, or like Chase and me, we're unsure if we want a second kid. 
We have all the tools to prevent pregnancy, but we need more information to help us plan for it, even if kiddos are in the far, far future. No matter what your plan, the one simple step you should consider taking today is an at-home hormone fertility test from Modern Fertility. I just completed the fertility quiz and timeline tool offered on their website, and it's made me really realize that if Chase and I want to have more kids, we really need to start planning, especially since infertility with the second kid is actually more common than infertility with the first kid. Modern Fertility gives you access to the information you need to help plan ahead. Modern Fertility ships your kit to your home for just $159, and you get physician-reviewed results in just a few days. Those same tests cost over $1,000 at a doctor's office. The test can tell you if you have more or less eggs than average, what to expect from IVF or egg freezing, how your hormones relate to polycystic ovary syndrome, which 1 in 10 women have, and about your general hormone health. Modern Fertility gives you knowledge and information you need to make the best decision. I think one of the most incredible resources Modern Fertility offers is that you can connect directly with a fertility nurse to get all your questions answered. Plus, they have weekly webinars and an active online community with women just like us. Take the fertility quiz and get $20 off your first kit at modernfertility.com slash I do. Take the fertility quiz and get $20 off your first kit at modernfertility.com slash I do. Yes. Um, you know, I mean, the age of the children will determine sort of what at what level um, of disclosure you, you offer up at, at the beginning and as you go on. But it's, it's, it's not that hugely different to if you were, you know, had a divorce and in time, you know, p- parents repartner and introduce new people into um, the family environment. There, there's all, all those issues about um, boundaries and agreements between, um, you know, the partner, who's the new partner that's coming into that family environment. This is not your new dad. It is my, my partner and, um, you know, my boyfriend, my, you know, my husband or whatever. It's not that... A replacement to your father who's died. It is another um, man in our family um, uh, unit whom is is here to um, give you support and um, and 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 journey with us and be witness to your growth as children. It's the same um, with. Um, partners coming in after divorce and, and, and having to negotiate those agreements around um, parenting, like um, the the biological parent of those children still needs to, um, I suppose, take the, the, the lead and communicate to the children, you know, just the usual boundaries that parenting um, uh, require us to do. And... Um, and the new partner that's come in um, uh, offers support, but certainly um, I would suggest to that person if they're coming in that they don't um, overextend themselves into just um, trying to take the place of their parent who has left. That will really um, probably not go down incredibly well. And I think um, there's a there's a um, an opportunity for that new person entering into the family unit to to talk 
to the children about their dad, say, say if it's a, um, a, a male partner coming in, to, to kind of um, be um, enrolled in the conversations to, to kind of keep their presence of their, their deceased father alive and honoured and respected and um, understood that he's still part of their, their lives. Any um, attempt to kind of um, conscious or unconsciously erase uh, that father's presence um, in time, will, I think, would create something very difficult to deal with. Um, but, yeah, it's... it's, it's um, it, it, it just it, it's it's an amplification of every skill that I teach my couples in healthy, high thriving relationships. It's it's an amplification of all of those. You're doing those at a really elite level. Good communication, good empathy, looking at um, uh, um, needs and desires of not only your partner, but you know, being very um, as attuned into um, the family and the children and noticing as they go through different stages of their their grieving, what do they need next? I, I find the children in particular, um, they don't really understand the permanency of death. They don't really get it. And as they reach different milestones, you know, move into early adolescence, later adolescence and moving into young adulthood, sometimes their, their grief at the loss of a parent um, can um, intensify rather than, than gentle when they start to just be hit with the reality of just exactly what they've lost. They don't know what they've lost until they kind of feel that loss at those big life, life moments of their growing up. So it's... Um, it's a very delicate but also a very rich space for people to enter into um, very whole and fulfilling and um, profound relationship. So someone that's dealing with the grief from the loss of a partner, I do not know all the stages of grief offhand, but I know mm. it starts with denial, ends with acceptance, and there's a few in between. Mm. Where along that spectrum... A anger, bargaining, shock. There we go. Stages. Yes. They don't happen in stages. So in, in particular, are there any, as far as moving, quote, moving on, let's just call it that for lack of a better term, but like going on to date other people... What do you find in, in working with people, it, the best approach to that or the thought process that someone can go through before they uh, choose to start dating again? Yeah, um, good question, Chase. And, and again, um, it, it's not dissimilar to any other process I would um, uh, guide and, and partner someone through in their grieving um, experience. Um let me talk just briefly about um, when someone dies. What happens if it's even if it's an expected death, or if it's an unexpected death? We go into that first stage, which is shock. We go into shock, and it's an incredibly um, deep and physical and and semi-permanent state. Our body 
get um, thrown into the um, that sort of fight, flight, freeze, um, uh, stress response that gets activated when we're under stress and then kind of calms down once the stress has disappeared. Is um, in, in with a dare we get um, so shocked out of our body in many ways. It can take months, literally months, three months, sometimes six months for us to um, reorganize our internal physical system out of shock. There's a massive shock wave that goes through our body when someone that we love dies that takes a long time to work its way out. Just, just even just that physical thing, that um, that fight, flight, freeze becomes our default um, kind of setting, rather than our one that's activated when something triggers it. And what happens with that sort of polarity shift completely is that we then have to make very conscious, um, uh, conscious actions to take our body back out of sympathetic nervous system, which is that stress response, and bring ourselves back into heal and repair, which is parasympathetic. So in those first stages of grief, and any time grief gets um, re-triggered, we go into shock. So what happens is in a grieving and bereavement journey is slowly tilting our body back out of shock and into coherence again. And, um, you know, if you don't sort of make a conscious and deliberate um, choice to to address yourself in that sort of self-caring way, our shock can stay and linger with us and become almost like post-traumatic stress. We carry that shock and stress of a death um, like a, a, a very present trauma always with us. What we, what we do in a, in a grieving and bereavement journey is we, we do conscious and deliberate work to transform that into post-traumatic growth. We grow through it. You're right, Chase. You don't get over it. You grow through it. So that toggle between post-traumatic stress and post-traumatic growth is really that that toggle between um, staying in the loss and the grief, or or really feeling the pool of life tugging at you again, the pool of light and love tugging at you again. And um, we do have uh, our human spirit, you know, given half the chance, will always lean towards. The light. It will lean and reach out to life again. And so, with with someone um, working through their grief and bereavement, and then also arriving eventually at a point when they're ready to bring someone else into their life again, it's really where the balance of that threshold really tilts towards life and growth again. And what I find. Um, which is very, very hard for people who are um, working through the death of a partner is what's happened to them in a really accentuated way is that they've lost their divine mirror. 
no, you guys are in a beautiful relationship. When you're in a really healthy, beautiful and deep and long love, that your partner, your beloved is your divine mirror. They see you, they affirm you, they, you know, the, in that kind of interaction and intersection of you and them, you, you, you become who you are through being in relationship with someone. And when that's ripped away from you, when you lose your beloved, you lose that divine mirror, you know, you kind of absolutely lose that sense of who am I? Who, who am I? And, you know, when I don't have this partner um, affirming me and to bounce off with and to, you know, we've got so much shared history that, 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 that's gone as well. And so the, the task for the alive and remaining partner is to recreate their sense of me. You know, in my relationship mentoring and um, love um, coaching um, approach, I have what I call the A game, which is a bunch of A's that describe um, our beliefs, our values, our behaviours that we do in relationship. And one of the very important A's is being your authentic me. And it's very hard for someone in grief after a partnership to find that person for a while. You really have to recreate and reimagine and um, reassemble that person together again. And so when someone is ready to invite a new partner and a new relationship into their life, it's really when they have done that task of moving into post-traumatic growth where you're really reaching out towards the light and the life and the love again more than you you dipping into the the loss and the sadness and the grief that starts you start to feel the the seesaw tilt into that direction, and it's also when they have um, done the very intentional work, and it does have to be intentional work. It doesn't sort of just happen naturally. Um, when they've done that work to reassemble their sense of self again, who who am I? Who I, who am I? Not just who I am, you know, seen by my beloved, but it's really about from the inside out, recreating and assembling enough togetherness in that space of your authentic me. Does that help? Yeah, and it almost speaks to the importance of, obviously, we don't want to just go around anticipating the death of our partner but eventually it's going to happen um at some point hopefully later rather than sooner but we talk about it in in just a healthy relationship is not getting lost in the relationship in losing your sense of self like obviously there's a lot of beautiful things about being affirmed by your partner and the mirroring and and all of that but Mm. that, that is you know, two individuals coming together. So you have, you know, you and then myself and then the relationship is like this third entity, but nurturing all of those. And we tell people all the time, like you want to improve your relationship, look at yourself first. And obviously this is, yeah. And then that really comes to a head when your partner is just ripped away from you. And it's a, 
completely terrible situation. And I'm not even saying this in a way of like, get ready for your partner to die. So, you know, do this. But just to have a healthier relationship in general is to really try to have that awareness that, that, that self identity, not getting lost in the relationship, not getting lost in the need to have your partner affirm everything that you do or who you are, but intrinsically finding that within and you'll be all the better if you find yourself in again a terrible situation like this and and it's you know i i'm not speaking to the person that's just lost their you know partner that's just it's a terrible situation um but I imagine we have listeners that that are happily married and listening to this because there's value to to be had there but that you want to uh be shoring up always that re- relationship that self love um with yourself Oh, totally i mean that the a game and being your authentic man doesn't stop once you um achieve finding a partner it's the absolute um core foundation of a healthy relationship is to is to really stay strong in your individuated me isn't it you don't you don't collapse into each other and because actually that's one of the you know the 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 key killer three killers of relationship in my Gottman training is uh, loss of self negative emotions and unmet needs so as soon as you start to really lose your sense of who you are you're not you're not bringing that into relationship for for your beloved to experience and appreciate and affirm it. You do have a responsibility to 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 um, stay as fully expressed and intact in your individualness as possible throughout your lifetime, be that in relationship or not. But it really, really is um, completely shattered with the. The, the death of a, a spouse, you know, in a very kind of profound um, way, um, despite um, any sense of uh, uh, prior healthy sense of um, individual or authentic kind of self-expression, it does get incredibly um, uh, shattered, and uh, that that's the, um, the the work of the surviving spouse is to 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 recreate themselves and anew. It's really interesting that um, you say, Chase, that we don't prepare for a, a, a death. You know, we are in um, a culture that seems to be so death-defying. You know, that natural shock of somebody dying um, is amplified, I think, in our modern days because we just don't, we don't believe in death. We have this culture where we extend life and we've got, incredible health and medicine. And so when a death occurs, even a natural one at the end of uh, a long life, it's um, still met with an enormous amount of shock in our society. And um, I was thinking when we were, um, when I was in preparation for speaking with you guys this morning, you know, um, even when I'm when I'm being a celebrant, so in Australia I'm a marriage celebrant. I think you call them officiants over mm-hmm. where you are. Is that yeah. right? Yeah, that's right. I'm, I actually marry I actually marry people as well. So I do the ceremony, and do their legals, and 
help them put their vows together. And it's an interesting observation that, um, you know, a long time ago, the true the traditional vows would almost always have that last line, till death do us part. Do you remember that? That used to be in marriage vows. <laughs> yeah. It might just still be in some more traditional ones these days. But, oh, not in my experience. Most people, if they're doing traditional vows, I'll take that one out. I'll take that line out. And it's not mentioned at all. There's, there's just no consideration of death being a part of life as it used to be many, many years ago. It's a, it's a real aberration. But you're right, Chase, we all die. We will all die. And so um, I think it's a worthy discussion for, for couples and couples in marriage to kind of have at some point in time a conversation about, you know, their eventual death and planning around um, end of life to talk about um, these things. And talking about it doesn't make it happen. It's just having some some plans. I have the um, fortunate or unfortunate um, scenario where this is very much part of my working world and my, my darling beloved husband has these conversations with me all the time, probably too many um, for his comfort. But we do talk about it. We, you know, we, we talk about what would happen in the... Um, uh, advent of our our death, how we how we would cope, what we would do. I know what my funeral looks like. Andrew knows what I'm going to do for him. <laughs> and um, and uh, yeah, we talked about um, if something was to happen really unexpectedly and early in our love journey, and one of us was to pass away, um, about um, giving each other permission to lean into love and life again and and repartner and um, and be happy, and I, I, I think they're. Um, I think that's a really good and healthy conversation for couples to explore. It is an unfortunate, but it is the reality of life. And not talking about it doesn't make it any less real. And uh, it's kind of mm. like a lot of things that we talk about on the show is like that's not the solution. You want a better relationship. You want to be more intimate. It's not to ignore the the issue or the problem. And so that is an exercise that our listeners and, and Sarah and I, and people with a partner right now can do is talk about these things. You don't have to do it all the time. It could be one time. And, and, uh, yeah, yeah. Not like, not like Andrew and I, we're, we're <laughs> probably talking yeah. about death too much in my, uh, my working life. But yeah, yeah, I agree, Chase. It's just so responsible. It's so sensible. And in fact, just a little dip into this conversation every now and then with each other, you know, I mean, that's just the paradox of death. It's very life affirming, isn't it? And 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 being just you know every now and then reminded of our mortality, um, uh, I, I think is a is an invitation for us to take life deeper, to take love deeper, to not um, to, to 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 not dismiss a, a moment of beauty and connection and intimacy you can have with someone to eke out every opportunity to um, express in love and express in life. Exactly. Yeah. As Sarah likes to say, YOLO, 
<laughs> she doesn't say that that much. I don't but say it that much <laughs> at all, really. But uh, I, I am joking, of course. But it is so true, and it's something that we've mentioned on the show with past guests. Is like you're having a fight with your partner. Like, look at the macro. Look at how ridiculous it is that you're arguing about something that doesn't matter and you want to examine you know where the argument's coming from and there's all that but that we are on a rock floating through space and that's pretty cool and one day we won't be here so just having that bigger perspective is uh super valuable and you have certainly given Sarah and I and our listeners, hopefully, some amazing tools to apply to their lives. If it, this is affecting uh, our listener right now, we we really feel for you, and, and hopefully this has helped you. And if you are with a current partner, I think there is a lot of value in the things talked about here today. So why don't we wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you online, and then we'll say goodbye. Oh, thank you, Chase. Thank you, Sarah. Um, well, you can find me at Sarah Tommy. .com.au. I'm here in the uh, sunny southern hemisphere currently in a heat wave in Australia. Um, I, uh, I have a, a couple of courses people might be interested in. I've got my Creating a Miracle Marriage course and I've got my new one coming out in February, which is I Am Ready for Love, which is my love and relationship readiness course. So that might be something that someone listening today who feels that they're ready lean into life and love again um, might help them and um, yeah I just really appreciate the time to speak with you both and um, and share this uh, aspect of what I do with your listeners thank you so much well thank you so much for joining us and as always our listeners can find all the links to your website and your courses on your show notes page on our website at idopodcast.com and thank you so much for joining us Uh, My pleasure. Much love to you all. Hi, guys. We hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, all the links are in the show notes page, as well as on the podcast description. And while you're on our website, we encourage you guys to check out our 14-day happy couple challenge. We send you an email for 14 days with simple, doable challenges to help strengthen and improve your relationship. And on our website, we also have a bunch of free resources for your relationship. So we encourage you to check those out. Uh, We also have our love tribe on Facebook. Uh, We encourage you guys to join the tribe and uh, be there for support for each other. If you have questions or just need some relationship advice, We are all here for each other. Um, The group has grown to almost a thousand people um, and we love it. So we hope you guys join that. You can go to Facebook, Love Tribe Fam, and you'll find us right there. And if you are interested in learning more about our flagship course, Spark My Relationship, we hope you guys check it out. We have a special offer that is only for podcast listeners. So you can go to sparkmyrelationship.com slash unlock and you can unlock that special offer and learn more as always thank you guys so much and we'll see you next week
You are listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.